Welcome to Growing Women of Faith podcast. I am Rochelle Morlock. And I am Sherry Konzak. Growing Women of Faith podcast was created for women to have a place where they can share how God is growing them and using them. Our hope is that we can be an encouragement to all women of all walks of life. We hope you enjoy and don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. everybody. I hope that you guys have had a wonderful week and I had the opportunity to meet someone a few years ago through social media. That's the way to meet everybody, right? But her name is Casey Williams and her really good friend actually was my neighbor growing up. So her neighbor was the one who introduced us And she had found out that I had a love and a heart for women in Southeast Asia. And that interaction turned into what it is today, a friendship and just building each other up. And I've got to chat with her and hear her testimony and some of her life experience. And I am excited for her to share with you guys for actually one of the first times ever today with us on Growing Women of Faith podcast. So Casey, thank you so much for being on. And I am going to let you take it away, girl. All right. Well, hey, everybody. Like she said, my name is Casey Williams and uh, I'm 38 years old. Uh, I love the Lord. I love people. And just, uh, just you know, it's awesome. The Lord's given me this opportunity. And I'm just going to share my heart, my testimony with you guys. And uh, I hope it touches you and that uh, the Lord just has something for you today. Because it's, it's not about me. It's about giving him the glory and honor. So today we're going to talk about Mephibosheth. And He's just someone that I related to in a very personal level, his story, his life, and just his his own testimony and how he felt about himself and how he carried himself because of his past. Now, did you ever face a situation in life where you just didn't feel, let me move this a bit, just didn't feel good enough or like no matter what you did, you would never be enough? There's nothing that you can do or could you to change the outcome of the situation, no matter how hard you tried. I think we have all had times in our lives we have felt this way. Maybe you have felt like you are not a good enough mother or father or wife or husband, sibling or child. Maybe you always felt called to lead, but felt you didn't deserve the leadership role. Maybe you feel like you are failing as a spouse because you see these pictures on Facebook of perfect couples and you and your spouse aren't like those pictures. There's no super happy pictures for you. You're not, everything's not joyful. You're not holding hands, you're arguing, you're fighting, there's no peace. Or maybe you feel like you are failing as a parent because your teenager has told you they hated you or your grown child has walked away from the church and the family. You try your hardest to be your best but you always seem to fall short in your own eyes. 
You are never going to be who you think that they expect you to be. So you feel as if you are not good enough to be who God has called you to be. I wrestled with that feeling my whole life. Even as a child, I would try and be as perfect as I could be. Because maybe then my mom and stepdad would stop fighting. And maybe if I was perfect and didn't cause any problems, my stepdad wouldn't beat my mom or beat us. Maybe, just maybe, if I did exactly what I was told to do and make good grades and was respectful, my mom would stop drinking and doing drugs and she would be a normal mom again. But no matter how hard I tried, the addiction and the abuse just kept happening and there was nothing I could do in my own power or ability to fix it. I felt not enough. I found ways to find flaws in myself and I thought that if I could see the flaws, everyone else could too. And I despised the fact that I was shorter than everyone else. And I always felt different and like I didn't fit in. I didn't realize at the time that it was a good thing and a God thing. I'm not saying the abuse was good or the addictions, but God used that to show me his grace and his love for people and for me. Now, growing up, I also had health problems. I had a kidney removed when I was 18 months, and I have growth hormone deficiency, which makes me the short stature that I am. I'm four foot six. And I had vision and hearing problems. My whole life, I wished I was normal. I even started having foot problems when I was in high school. <clears throat> the pain was so bad that sometimes I would have difficulty walking. I even had to use a wheelchair and crutches sometimes. It was that way for two or three months and I couldn't figure out why. This affected my self-esteem and self-worth. For years and most of the time, I let it define me and I always struggled to relate to others because I felt so different. But I realized that God can use people who are different. And in the Bible, there are several stories where he used the different and the outsiders and I found a common ground with people when I read the Bible. When I read the Bible as a kid and as a teenager and as an adult, I felt like there were people who God used that could understand me, that knew how I felt. And then I didn't feel so alone or different anymore. Now there's someone that I relate to quite well in the Bible with all these health problems and the hard things I had to deal with in my life. I knew God had called me into the ministry, but I never felt good enough because of all the things that happened in my past and because of how I looked. I didn't realize then that God had set me apart for a purpose. The person in the Bible that I'm referring to is Mephibosheth, which literally means from the mouth of shame. Mephibosheth at a young age had experienced trauma. When he was five years old, his father and grandfather were killed in the Battle of Gilboa. And not only that, when his maid was trying to flee and she was carrying him, she dropped him. And because of that, he became lame in the feet. He literally could not walk on his own. He couldn't do a single thing without help. Now, if you read in 2 Samuel chapter 9, we see that King David who is a prototype of Jesus or a foreshadowing, if you will, 
he inquired of his servants if there was anyone in the house of Saul that he could pay a kindness to out of respect for Jonathan. They grabbed Mephibosheth's servant, Ziba. Ziba informed King David that the person he was looking for was in the house of Makir in Lodabar. King David asked Mephibosheth to be brought before him. Now, before I finish talking about Mephibosheth, I want to tell you about Mephibosheth's spirit and how it can affect our relationship, not only with God, but with ourselves and others. Mephibosheth literally means from the mouth of shame and how the spirit of shame overshadowed his whole life and how it probably has controlled my life and your life at some point. And when I was thinking of where to share my testimony or my story, I asked God for help in what to say. I was driving to work and he just said, I'm Mephibosheth's spirit. And we know that Mephibosheth means shame. And he probably did feel he had a shameful life. He was born a prince and lived for a short time of his life in a palace. Then he lost his father and grandfather in the same day. And shortly after, he became crippled. When the maid fled, he was taken to the house of Makir, which is in Lodabar, which literally means no pasture, which basically meant nothing could really grow there. He was in a perpetual season of shame and no growth. He felt so lowly about himself that when he was brought before King David, he referred to himself as a dead dog. And when you think of a dead dog, you basically think they have nothing to offer and are worthless, which I imagine is exactly how he felt. He was crippled. He was living in someone else's house. He went from a place of royalty, the highest of highs, to in a single day, the lowest of lows as a child. And his family basically was all killed off. But because of these things, it was just crazy. I couldn't, I felt like I wasn't good enough. And I know much of my life, I felt the same because of situations I had no control over, like my health conditions. And then I was born in the abuse and I suffered along with having a parent addicted to drugs and alcohol. I felt there was no way God could use me. And even if I did share my testimony or tried to do what the Lord called me to do, everyone would think I wasn't good enough to do it. I felt shame and I felt worthless. Because of these things, I couldn't grow or change as a person. There was no pasture or field for me to harvest from because there was no growth. I had positioned myself in a metaphorical low to bar. I felt not good enough for God's calling in my life. And at times not good enough to be loved by another human being because what I perceived as unlovable flaws but God saw them as usable instruments for his purpose. <clears throat> I needed to be delivered from a Mephibosheth spirit. And maybe you are sitting here listening and you are thinking, I have felt the same word for years. I feel unworthy, unloved, and just not good enough. I keep praying and it never gets better. So I keep going through the same emotions, people, and situations because I didn't feel like I deserved God's healing in that area of my life. And literally I felt that way for years. Like I wasn't good enough. And no matter what I did, I would never measure up to, you know, the status or the highness that I thought other people in church were. I didn't feel worthy enough to sit in the same pew 
as people who won the praise team or people who were faithful to attenders of church, because I was, but I still didn't feel good enough. I felt shame and regret and rejection from my childhood. And I carried that, I carried that like a garment, like a, like a thing of armor. And it kept people away because I wouldn't let anyone in. I sat there stagnant. I didn't grow my relationship with God. I didn't like, I wouldn't even let God open doors. I was slamming them shut because of what I perceived as I was not good enough because of the way I was treated as a child, even as a young adult and an adult. I just felt not good enough. And that's just, that was how it was. And I didn't feel I deserved God's healing in that area of my life. I didn't even ask. I had to just be like, well, the Lord was calling me to let it go, to, to cast out this Mephibosheth spirit. But I'd be like, you know what? Other, other people are going through more things than me. Their prayers are more important. I, I'm fine. I just, I'm fine. I'm going to stay here. I'm fine. And maybe the Lord's speaking to you and he's saying, come and sit at my feet. Come, let me deliver you from this. Let me take this from you. You've been carrying it for so long and you're weary and you're worn and you're broken. Let me take this from you. You don't have to be this way. You are worthy of love. You are worthy of purpose. You are worthy of a calling greater than your family, greater than what you perceived that you could ever dream of. God is there to meet us in our mess because in our mess he creates a message and we don't have to hold on to that Mephibosheth spirit that spirit of shame we can let it go we can cast it out but we have to give it to God and Mephibosheth felt the same way when King David gave him a seat at his table the way that King David loved on Mephibosheth and gave him a permanent seat at his table is the same way that God loves us he doesn't care if we feel not enough or deficient in so many ways. The good news is we don't have to be enough and we don't have to be perfect child or the perfect spouse or the perfect parent. King David accepted Mephibosheth the way he was at his table and God wants to do the same. We need to cast out the spirit of shame that tells us we can't be all who we are called and created to be because of our past or our flaws that society has projected on us. I can relate to Mephibosheth because I felt ashamed of my past and the way I looked. But I serve a God who when he created the world, he put it in his heart and mind to create me and to create you. And maybe you are stuck in Lodabar and you feel like you have no future and the same things keep happening over and over. And maybe you feel unworthy and like God can never use someone like you. God never created someone without a purpose. He created Mephibosheth to show us God's mercy and kindness. And he created you to be loved and to love others. You may feel crippled or damaged, but we serve a God who heals and saves because he healed my heart from all the abuse and trauma and show me that I am worthy for a purpose and I am worthy to be loved and he wants to do the same for you. You don't have to be trapped or condemned by abuse or by sin or by hate or rejection any longer. You can give it to God and he can take it and you can be set free. He's a chain breaker. 
We don't have to live by the label society puts on us. We don't have to live on a label of damaged or abused or rejected or not wanted. We don't have, those are not the labels that God put on us. He says we are more than conquerors. We are the head and not the tail. We are a royal priesthood and a chosen nation. It's just, you know, being uh, different, we oftentimes think that people will notice that difference and that's the first thing they're going to point out. And then they'll be like, well, you know, and I always thought, this is what I would tell myself, the Lord called me into evangelism and speaking and preaching and teaching. I'd be like, no one's going to listen to me. I'm too short. I'm single. I don't, there's nothing that anyone that I know that can relate to me. And that was just the enemy telling me lies. He is the father of lies. That's what he does. Yeah. And then, and he would put fear too. He like, he like, well, you know, they know what you've done. He would just call me by my sin. But then Jesus called me by my name and said, you're not known by that anymore. Mm-hmm. I've set you free. You're saved. You're delivered. You're healed. You're, you, they don't even know you by that anymore. So you need to let that go. And oftentimes we wear that shame and that sin and that regret and rejection and abuse. We wear it like a cloak. Mm-hmm. It literally, we wear it like a cloak and we wear it so much that we push people away because we're afraid they won't love us anyway. So we hurt them so they can't hurt us. Mm-hmm. So we, we basically bleed on people who didn't cut us. Yeah. And we're like, well, I don't want you to hurt me. So I don't even want to get to know you. But really, when we do that, we miss God's chance to love on somebody who our story or who we are as a person might make their day. We might just plant a seed of gratitude. We might change. We might have them think about something. They might be like, you know what? I met this person today named Casey, and she was so nice to me. She smiled at me, and I was having the worst day, and now I feel better. And sometimes you forget that even if we're not some big preacher on a big stage, or we're not ministering to thousands and thousands of women on the stage, that we can't be. We can be effective for the kingdom, but we can. When we open a door for somebody, when we smile at somebody, when we hug somebody who might just be having a rough day. Because sometimes I've been praying, like, Lord, help me run into somebody today that could use you and just needs to know that you love them. And my grandma used to do something awesome. She would get a mirror for her kids in Sunday school. And on the back of the mirror, it would say, Jesus loves you, and so do I. And she told him, hold up the mirror. What do you see? They're like, I see me. Well, guess what? Jesus, Jesus loves you. You're looking into the face of someone that Jesus loves. And, and it's just simple as like a little child. They understand Jesus better than we do. They just look at it like, oh, I know Jesus loves me. So what if I got in trouble? Oh, I know that Jesus loves me. So what if I have bad grades? They get it so easily. And I think that's what Jesus meant by we need to have, we accept the kingdom of God like little children. Because they, they believe Jesus loves them unconditionally. But as adults, we're conditioned to believe that we're only loved by specific conditions and what we can do for others. And that's not Jesus' idea of love at all. Yeah. When, when you think about Jesus hanging on the cross, and those two thieves, one either side of him, and one was like, well, if you're the son of God, 
why don't you call down the angels to save you and save us? Mocking him. But the other one knew who Jesus was. He said, this man has done no wrong. He goes, I deserve punishment. My punishment is just. But he doesn't deserve this. And he said, when you come into your kingdom, remember me and Jesus. Knowing who he was, knowing who that man was a thief, he committed all kinds of crimes, said, I tell you truly, this day you will join me in paradise. Jesus didn't look to see if that man was worthy. He knew that man was hanging next to him for crimes he committed that were terrible. But Jesus loved him anyway. And if Jesus can love that thief on the cross, he can love you. Doesn't matter where you're at or what your job is, where you live at. If you live on the side of the street, you live in a cardboard box, you live in a trailer, an apartment, a big house, or maybe you're sleeping in your car and you're listening and you're going, I don't see a way out from this. Mm. But God already made a way. He doesn't care what your address is. He doesn't care what your bank account looks like. He doesn't even ask you who your parents were. All he wants to do is to love you and to free you from your past and for you not to be held back by those chains any longer. And if I could, I'd just like to say a prayer for the those who are listening to say really strongly that we need to pray for those chains to be broken. Father God, I just praise you and thank you that you are Jehovah Rapha, God, our healer, and that nothing catches you by surprise. And then when we mess up, you don't have a knee-jerk reaction to us. You're not a God who answers in anger and a wrath, but you answer in love and righteous judgment. And that regardless of our past, what we've done, where we come from, you see us each as unique individuals with a plan and a purpose. And when our sin nailed you to that cross, you were mindful of us. And there's not one person here that is listening that you didn't that you do not love and that you did not die for. So Father God, I pray for those listening who were held back by chains of abuse, of regret, of shame, Father God, of rejection, or just we command those chains to be broken in the mighty name of Jesus. And we just speak freedom over them right now, Father God, the kind of freedom that only comes from you. And Father God, I pray right now that you, that there, there's hearts of stone that are listening right now, Father God, that you will exchange the heart of stone for a heart of flesh, Father God. And that people, Lord Jesus, who are listening right now, who feel there is no way out there at the bottom, the lowest of lows, Father God. I pray that you will right now send people to their very door to meet their need, Father God. There's a walking in the highways of byways, Father God, that you will bring someone that represents you, Father God, in love and in peace and in grace that will reach out to them and will show them that you love them with unfailing love. And Father God, I ask right now, Lord Jesus, that you will Bless Rochelle, Father God, and bless this podcast, Father God. And I pray that that the numbers that listen to this podcast will not be doubled, but it'll be seven times 70, Lord. It'll be tenfold, Father God, and that you will help her to continue to be used, Lord Jesus, for your glory and for your good, Father God. And we just pray for different situations in different countries, Father God, where there is war, where, there, where there's persecution, Father God. 
that you will put a garment of safety around those you love and who love you, Father God. Do what only you can do. Be Jehovah Jireh, God our provider. And Father, I just thank you and praise you for this time we've had together in fellowship, Father God. And Lord, do what only you can do. Have your way today, Father God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Girl, that was amazing. It's really thank cool. You. Have been able to see you grow virtually through Facebook and just chatting with you and have had the opportunity to meet up with you. I can see God is growing you and you are in that season of he's using you, whether you see it or not, which it sounds like you are starting to see that. And it's just so beautiful. The warrior woman that you truly are and the battles that you have fought. And one thing that really encouraged me because I, I hear from many women is I don't relate to anyone from the Bible. Like, I wish I had a story that related to whomever. And, um, so what's a word of encouragement that you would give them as they are looking into the scripture of, I want to see myself be like Noah or Jonah or fighting, fighting that certain battle or, you know, finding those sufferings. What would you say? I would tell them to ask the Lord to reveal it to them because Mm -hmm. I wasn't sure I could relate to anybody. And when you asked me to share my story and write it down, I had to pray about it. Cause I'm like, I'm like, well, cause I was like, well, Hannah, but I'm like, she's married. I'm not married. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Ruth, I'm like, I'm like, yes, but I don't feel like that's where you want to go with this God. So I was praying and I said, Lord reveal to me how you would have me tell my testimony, my story. And just, I would just have them ask the Lord to reveal it to them because sometimes it's not in those big stories. Mephibosheth is not a big story in the Bible. He's actually a very small chapter in 2 Samuel. He doesn't have his own book like Ruth. He doesn't have, you know, several chapters like Job, or he doesn't have a big story like Hannah or Rachel or Leah. You know, he doesn't have those big chapters. He's a small section, but he's someone who didn't feel even enough. He felt like a dead dog. Like he was asking David, why would you even think of me? I'm nothing but a dead dog. Why do I deserve to be at your table? And, you know, and we don't have to have those big, we don't have to be David. God's not calling all of us to be David. Mm-hmm. He might be calling some of us to be Esther or Deborah or Hannah. But I would just say, Lord, reveal it to me in a way that I can relate to someone in the Bible. I can find my Esther moment yeah because those are when we feel like we can't fit in we don't relate to anybody and that's how oftentimes I felt but when the Lord kind of lit up Mephibosheth for me I was like oh my goodness that's exactly how I saw myself exactly and I never thought about it before I knew who Mephibosheth was I read that story but just you know be like Lord reveal it to me I want to know how it can be used and I don't feel I have a testimony. My life was pretty easy. You know, that's what the price thing is. You know, I have kids that don't listen sometimes. You know, two or three-year-olds don't listen. Or I have this going on. I'm just a stay-at-home wife. I can't do nothing. 
yes, you can. Mm-hmm. Because there's there's other women that might be saying, well, you know, there's nothing. I sit at home alone all day and I feel lonely. And I feel this, I feel that. Well, I'm pretty sure that there was women in the Bible who felt, Hannah probably felt just as lonely. She had a sister or, or she had, you know, her husband's first wife tormented her, made fun of her, bullied her. And she didn't have anyone that she could turn to. Because even Eli, the priest, thought that she was drunk when she was praying for a son. She's like, don't mistake me for a drunken woman. And my heart is crying out to God right now, broken. And even her husband didn't really show much compassion. He was like, well, don't I love you more than seven sons? Why are you crying about it? You know, she didn't have anyone who understood. She felt alone. And I think, you know, as women, we, no matter what our stories, we can feel alone. We can relate to Hannah. Yeah. Or Esther. She, Esther, she was so afraid to stand up that she was like, you know, I could be killed. I mean, or in, in a normal sense, I could lose my job if I speak up, if I tell the truth. There are many ways we can relate to people in the Bible. It doesn't exactly have to be word for word. Right. I wasn't born in a palace. You know, I wasn't a princess. My my father and grandfather weren't kings and princes. They had no royal title, but the Lord showed me how I relate to Mephibosheth. Mm-hmm. There's, there's ways we can relate that are parallel and perpendicular, but not exactly the same shape. Yeah. So while I was not born to royalty, I did not have a maid. You know, the Lord showed me that I still felt bad about myself for things that were not my fault and were not in my control. And the Lord could use anybody and could light up a story for them in a way that they could understand, oh, well, I can relate to that person. So I would just tell them, hey, you know what? Lord, reveal Reveal that story to me to where I can feel I can relate to your promises and to your word, where maybe I can share my testimony in a way that might bring someone else to you. Yeah. Because that's basically what, when he, he gives it to us, is so we can love on somebody else. We can show someone else they're not alone and that God has a plan and a purpose for them. And that's basically what I just prayed for the Lord to show me what he wanted me to say, how he wanted me to write it. Because it was on my own accord, I probably would not have written anything that great or good. But God gave me the gifting, came from God, and he showed me whoever, who I related to in the Bible. Sometimes he's just waiting for us to reach out to him first. He's no respecter of persons, but he's a polite God. And he wants us. He, he, he's knocking, but he wants us to answer that door. And some way, the, sometimes the best way to answer that door is to pray. Ask God for help. Well, thank you so much, girl. I seriously enjoyed hearing you speak and seeing you come out of your shell. And thank you. Yeah, I look forward to more of these and seeing what God has for you. We also wanted to add something else for you guys after the episode. We wanted to let you guys know that Casey Williams, the woman that you just heard from, is now Bloom International's prayer leader. And she oversees our prayer team. And it is so important and so essential for us to have people praying for what God is doing through this 
through Bloom, and under Bloom is this ministry, the podcast, and we have our Rice for Widows program, and our conferences, and we're all around the world. So if that is something that's like on your heart, go ahead and reach out to us because we can get you plugged in um, with being a volunteer for our prayer team, or there's many other different opportunities to volunteer and get involved. All right, thanks. Well, guys, it was a pleasure to hang out with you all today. I hope that we could be a little joy and a little hope and bring you a little laughter for your day. And don't forget to subscribe to Growing Women of Faith podcast so that you will get a notification every time we add a new episode.